With no fees or minimums, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than deciding to listen to another episode of your favorite podcast. And with no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank. Capital One N.A. Member FDIC. Hey, and welcome to The Short Stuff. I'm Josh. There's Chuck. There's Jerry over there. Let's get jolly because, buddy, it is Christmas Day. Wow. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. It's not to us, but it is to us. <laughs> sure. You know? Uh-huh. Think about it. Yeah. Well, anyway, Merry Christmas, everybody. Yes, and Merry Christmas to you and Jerry, and thank you for the uh, lump of coal. You're welcome. Uh, and uh, Jerry, thank you for the um, red wagon. Yeah. Thank you for my Ferrari, Jerry. <laughs> Wow, I got it. The wrong red wagon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You got a Magnum PI, red Ferrari. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Amazing. Thanks again, Jerry. <laughs> anyway, uh, since it's Christmas, Chuck, we have a special Christmas themed short stuff. Indeed. And it's about something called the Santa Claus Association. Mm-hmm. And if you want to ever learn more about the Santa Claus Association, make sure you put those words in quotes. Yeah. In your search engine, because there's a lot of different Santa associations. Mm -hmm. This is a specific one that we're going to talk about. Yeah, and also add uh, New York to that search. Yes. Because that'll really narrow it down, too. Really will. So the Santa Claus Association we're talking about has its backstory in the about the turn of the century, um, the last century, okay? Mm -hmm. And in New York City, in the United States, really— the U.S. Postal Service had a way, a technique of dealing with little children's letters to Santa. The furnace. They would they would destroy them. <laughs> That's right. They would send these letters to the dead letter office and they would eventually be destroyed mm-hmm. or, in the worst case scenario, return to the little sender. Oh, wow. Isn't that awful? And it was even stamped, return to little sender. Yeah. <laughs> they had a special stamp. <laughs> right. It was tiny. Yeah. And it had, uh, yeah. Had like a reindeer on its back with X's for eyes. Right. So the popular press, the media, as we call them today, mm-hmm. and the public said, this is wrong. There's got to be a better way to do this. What if like charities could get their hands on these letters and then yeah. they can fulfill these these wishes? Because Santa's busy. Clearly. He doesn't really have time for the letters. Maybe some grown-ups could intervene. And um, Grown-ups. Yeah. Right. And so they said that it was great. And the postmaster general at the time in 1907 said, that's fine. Uh, I'm commanding all post offices in the United States to just hand over letters to Santa to any charity that wants to fulfill them. I wonder if the Postmaster General is just like, oh, God, with these letters. Like, I'm trying to do a job here. Right. Yes. That was the impression that I had. They did not want to be in the Santa mail business anymore. And this is a a godsend for them. Uh Okay. Everything worked pretty well for 1907. And then in 1908, or during 1907, um, the— Charitable Organization Society of New York, the COS, actually took it upon themselves to start investigating the backgrounds of some of the letter writers to Santa. And they went to their houses unannounced. Can you, is there a little Timmy who lives here? Basically. (laughs) Yeah. And let's see, let's see the crutches that you mentioned in your letter, Timmy. (laughs) Yeah. And they actually determined that some of these letter writers weren't quite as needy as they made themselves sound in their letters. They determined that one little girl already had a doll. Oh, boy. Anyway, this is enough to to get the Postmaster General to reverse his decision. In 1908, he said, nope, we're sending them back to the dead letter office. That's right. 
that outburst or that outcry, the public outcry against that was even worse than it was before. So then finally, Chuck, we've reached the end of the backstory. In 1911, the postmaster general, the new one, said from now on for from to infinity and beyond, <laughs> the United States Postal Service will hand over letters to Santa to any charity that wants them, which is great. But in New York, no one stepped up for two years. And by the time 1913 rolled around, it seemed that there wouldn't be a Santa again to fulfill these uh, children's wishes in their letters to Santa. In New York City. Yes. That's right. And it was all over the papers, uh, headlines like, Mailmen disowned Santa and Santa Claus is tardy saint, <laughs> took over the streets. Uh, and on December 8th of, I guess, 1913, mm-hmm. Edward Morgan, who was uh, the New York City's postmaster, who also had more important fish to fry, right. uh, he got a letter from a guy who was a customs broker named John Duval Gluck Jr. And he said, let me run this thing, hand it over to me. And Morgan said, great. He did. Just get this off my plate. I'm really happy to not have to deal with this. Gluck had no kids. He was not married. Uh, And the story was was that he was a kind-hearted man who wanted to do something with his life. Right. And this he saw this as an entree into that world. He also had some some pretty impressive credentials for somebody who steps up and says, I'll, I'll handle the Santa business for the post office from now on. He said that he uh, was a special representative of newspapers, a famous tariff expert and investigator, and a member of the Secret Service. None of those things were true. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the name of this article that you found was The Con Man Who Saved Christmas. Yeah, that was from History Extra. So that should tell you kind of where this was headed. Yeah. Uh, This guy was lying to begin with, and the story just gets even more interesting. Should we take a break? We should. All right, let's take a break, and we'll tell you about Gluck right after this. Listen to this. It's a game changer. Amazon is now in healthcare. Yes, Amazon. It's called Amazon One Medical. They offer same-day appointments. And if that's not convenient enough for you, they also have 24-7 virtual care. Yeah, you know, imagine you're feeling so sick that even the thought of getting out of bed is just too much for you. With Amazon One Medical, you don't have to leave the house. Of course, what good is that if you then have to drag yourself to the pharmacy, but you don't have to do that either because of Amazon Pharmacy. It makes a lot of sense. Delivering things fast is what Amazon is known for, and that's exactly what they do here. They'll deliver your prescriptions directly to your door. No waiting in pharmacy lines with people who probably all have something worse than whatever you're there for. Again, this is a game changer. Thanks to Amazon Pharmacy and Amazon One Medical, healthcare just got less painful. Hey, everybody. Josh and Chuck are here to tell you about a new podcast, Car and Drivers Into Cars, a production of Car and Driver and iHeartMedia's Ruby Studio. That's right. It's hosted by Eddie Alterman and Tony Quiroga. Into Cars is the ultimate podcast for car lovers. Whether you're in the market for a new set of wheels or just love the sound of a V8, Car and Driver's panel of editors and car experts test drive and review today's most compelling new rides. And the best part, Eddie and Tony have no filter. They review cars with the same blend of intelligence, independence, and irreverence that has made Car and Driver a trusted source for news and reviews since 1955. Car and Driver's Into Cars is brought to you by eBay Motors, all the parts you need at the prices you want guaranteed to fit your ride every time visit ebaymotors.com for more eligible items only exclusions apply 
So jump in, buckle up, and listen to Car and Drivers Into Cars, available wherever you get podcasts. So the thing about Gluck was this. He was a confidence man. Mm -hmm. He was a fraud. He made up all of his credentials and all that. But with the Santa Claus Association, he actually did do something genuinely good for once. Yeah, he did. Um, He started this organization, and it was described as bottom-up, which is a good way to describe it, because the donors and the people who did this were New York City residents. They were the real people. He provided... He created the app, basically. Right, exactly. <laughs> that got people in touch with other people, got these letters in the hands of folks that had a little extra money. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the case of uh, H. Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. he only chipped in $10, apparently. Which is still only like a couple hundred bucks today. I looked. It was like 275 It's a skin flint. <laughs> I was thinking, hmm, my, we have a pretty good idea these days after looking at the inflation calculator for so many years. Mm-hmm. And that one definitely stunk. Yeah. Uh, so people were volunteering. Uh, a lot of people were um, from clubs and organizations, but many just regular average New Yorkers who didn't have a lot of money themselves sometimes. Right. So imagine this. If you're a New Yorker and you feel like your city has literally turned its back, almost literally turned its back on needy children mm-hmm. by ignoring their letters to Santa, even though anybody could take it and fulfill it, having Gluck step up and say, we can do this and create the Santa Claus Association. Yeah. It just filled the city with pride, sure. and they started throwing money at the Santa Claus Association faster than it could use it. Yeah, they. Uh, I think that first year, they answered the request of 28,000 children. That's astounding. That is super astounding. And they kept doing this for another, like, 15 years or so, mm-hmm. and he kept asking for a little bit more money. Um, like, hey, at first it was, let, let me cover the stamps. Sure, just the stamps, man. Yeah, exactly. And then, then it was envelopes. Just just a few envelopes. And then it was, uh, how about some money for the gifts, you know? And then sure. he said, oh, how about this? Right in the middle of Manhattan, let's build a Santa Claus building. Yeah, he said that the, um, uh, like the, the unusual nature of our work kind of demands that we have our own space to work in. Yeah, and I, I mean, was this just sort of being rubber stamped the whole time? Because it seems like he just kept getting more and more funds. Yeah, the way that this History Extra article puts it is that the optimism, the post-World War One and Jazz Age optimism really kind of created this sense of like, we can do anything, everybody's great. Of, of course, the guy who's running the Santa Claus Association is fine. Like, have you heard jazz? Exactly. Well, we can definitely pay for a Santa Claus have, building. Have you tried a jazz <laughs> cigarette, too? Ooh. Try one of those. Is that like what Brad Pitt smoked in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Probably. What was that? that was oh, no, no, no. no. acid-dipped cigarette? It was just a pot. <laughs> oh, okay. a, a marijuana cigarette, I think is what they call it today. Gotcha. Yeah. And they're like, have you seen this new movie, Reefer Madness? <laughs> It's amazing. You're going to want to jump out a window. You'll be so excited. <laughs> so 11 years in is when the first Macy's Christmas Parade happens, which would eventually become the Thanksgiving Day Parade. And it was all just sort of coalescing uh, with catalogs and things like that. And everyone's uh, 
everyone's notion of Christmas was just getting more and more commercial and more in the news, and it was just a big, big deal. Yeah, Christmas became huge. Like the Christmas that we understand it today. That's right. It happened during this time, and it happened during the time that Gluck Santa Claus Association was handling um, answering the needy children of New York's Christmas wishes. That's right. But enter Bird Collar. New York's commissioner of public welfare. His motto was, hey, I'm not the bad guy here. <laughs> Probably so. He was charged with uh, going around to the unregulated charities of New York City and uh, closing them down, uh, asking to see their financial records. Including what, Chuck? Well, including the Santa Claus Association. Yes, but in, in addition to the Santa Claus Association, he would investigate block parties. Oh, right. That were raising money for the neighborhood because they hadn't registered as charitable organizations. He was that yeah, kind of guy. You got to make sure the money's going in the right place. Yeah. So he said, this Santa Claus Association, it smells it a little fishy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going after him. And Gluck said, gulp. Yeah, he did because he didn't keep great records, uh, which turned out to kind of save him because... He didn't have much documentation. He could not be convicted of a crime uh, when they found tens of thousands of dollars just unaccounted for, basically. Yeah, that's $1920, by the way. That's right. That's no $10 donation. I think a a dead giveaway that this might have been a fishy operation was that the headquarters of the Santa Claus Association was in the back of a steakhouse in Manhattan. I tried to find out what steakhouse. I could not find it. I did, too. The closest I could find was it was in the Woolworths building. I saw that, too. But that's it. There's no name for it or anything like that. I wanted to know because knowing New York City, it's still there. It's not. I didn't know if it was like a Keens or something. No, there's a uh, there, the Woolworths building is still there, but I'll bet it's somebody's like trillion dollar apartment right now. Right, and it still stinks <laughs> of dead beef. So, oh, gross. Uh, like we said, uh, Gluck could not be convicted, um, but they said you are definitely not in charge of this uh, Santa Claus Association anymore. <laughs> um, they took away his letters, and uh, he left for Miami, which is, I mean, talk about. A surefire way to cement yourself as a con man (laughs) (laughs) is like, I'm off to Miami. Yeah. But the good news is they didn't start sending letters back to the dead letter office. Um, Pretty soon the U.S. Postal Service uh, would undertake Operation Santa Claus, which we've talked about in a previous Christmas edition. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ironically, um, not based on necessarily – but I think Gluck's system was sort of an inspiration. Closely following it, for yeah. sure. Yeah, they were like, okay, the guy went to Miami. We understand who he is now. That's right. But it was a pretty good idea. So we're going to stick to it. And still to this day, rather than um, the Santa Claus Association handling things, it's a committee of postal employees that are now the the app that connects children in need and the donors that want to help them out on Santa Claus's behalf. It's wonderful. And, uh, yeah, hats off to Alex Palmer for that History Extra um, article. who's among one of several. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. That is it for this short stuff. Short stuff away with sleigh bells. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. <laughs>